Hello, friends and neighbors in the audio radiance. I am Spider Robinson, the James Taylor of the Stone Age, coming to you from the home of the terminally confused Sci-Fi Saturday Night. We will begin in mass invasion. We'll tell your people to surrender now and avoid war. Don't think you get me so easily! It is now time for us to put Earth under our rule. It's your sacred duty to tell us the truth. Confess, confess that you will give me witchcraft. You expect me to believe that you can overrun the entire world? We cannot be defeated. We have never been defeated. That is the message. Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. Sci-Fi Saturday Night. It's one twenty-five and Angels of the New Vampires here on Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Deep in Area 51 at the sub-level 14 Wooden Stake Emporium, I am the Dome. Joining the TalkCast tonight are our usual suspects in the Revere Time Vortex Soundboard, Vixen, and Pretty Princess Kriana. Squee! <laughs> <laughs> Oh, this is going to be an odd <laughs> night, isn't it? From I have stacks- some new sounds, by the way. Okay. From the stacks of her personal silent zone in the dank dungeon meeting room, she's cute and funny and snarkalicious. It's Zombrarian. And of course, I blank right there and don't have anything <laughs> funny to say. <laughs> From the four color vault in Man- of comics in Manchester, New Hampshire, hey, Angel, seen Buffy lately? It's Illustrator X. From the not-too-distant future, next Sunday, A.D. And joining him, his lovely ingenue, our angel dressed in black, the dead redhead. <laughs> I love I'm I'm channeling my inner vampira tonight. Ooh. <laughs> Check that waist. Dome, Dome is apparently channeling his inner Zevon. Thank for that. Oh, I'm so happy you caught that. <laughs> and, of course, uh, from the outpost Gallifrey Nymphomania, catch a release center at the Santa Clara Mascara Research Center, snuggled deep in the California foothills, snuggling in his Snuggie. It's awake by Java. It's so comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> my Our- and it leaves room for my wings. <laughs> there we go. Our guest tonight... Artist, writer, and featured Boston Comic-Con guest, Tom Snagoski. Tom, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks a lot. I'm glad I, I'm glad I made it. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like, because we had the same problem last week when, when we had no guest, and we're all just kind of sitting here going, well, we've screwed this one up, so. <laughs> it's like one of those family guy jokes that just goes on for way too long. Way too <laughs> so we'll start the show as we start to show off every week with our poll, the dead redhead. Come on in and tell us who our favorite Buffy villain was. Yeah, so this week well, we asked everybody who their favorite Buffy villain was, but you weren't allowed to vote for Spike because we knew if we put Spike in there, Spike would win. So I took out the, the top um, um, choice right off the top to see what would happen, and it got a little controversial, I have to tell you, because... Uh, we start with our, our traditionals. Of course, we know that our 
our fans tend to love their old school people that uh, that they do. So the third place we had was the mayor. If people remember the mayor, he was oh, actually God. a really he, cool character. He was awesome. Yes, was he was really like the- spoilers. He's a big giant snake demon. Yeah, I, was, <laughs> I was gonna make a joke about that. That's actually uh, Mitt Romney. But um, in second place, what are you doing with that mic? Uh oh, <laughs> snake demon. What are you doing? I don't know. Oh, we we couldn't hear whatever witty comment Illustrator X just said, so I'm gonna make it up in my mind. <laughs> that was good. He said that the mayor had lost faith. Oh, wow. Ooh. Out. <laughs> Mine was better. Keep going. Okay, our tie for second place was between Drusilla and Vampire Willow, so it was a girl fight. Who would not pay to see Drusilla fight Vampire Willow? Vampire Willow would win. Vampire Willow would totally win. Rocket, I gotta say. That leather bustier she wears, oh man. Very hot. Yes, absolutely. In case anyone happens to be on the show who might write, you know, Buffy fic in the future. <laughs> by the way, by the way, uh, the creepy guy here has not said a word yet. Just saying. Just saying. Our number Dome, is that you or me? It's <laughs> you. <laughs> I thought you about me. It's both. <laughs> Number one choice for favorite Buffy villain, and this is where it gets controversial, guys, is Paul Rubens from yeah. the movie. That's kind of amazing. That's I'm kind of winning. Amazing. Okay, okay. I would just like to say that I voted for Caleb. Can I have some Nathan Fillion love up in here? Uh, apparently, the the voters no. say no. Lame. <laughs> You know what the controversy is? Well, first of all, big shout out to our uh, our listener Brian Patrick who yes. voted that in the first place. Except but he couldn't spell right. <laughs> yeah, apparently he misspelled Ruben. There's an E in there, so uh, all of those votes are uh, invalidated, you know, disqualified. <laughs> and- Absolutely. Yeah, if you can't spell, you're automatically disqualified. So Vampire Willow wins, basically. <laughs> So that okay. was the poll. Thank you, guys. We'll have something up by this weekend. Like your favorite breakfast food or something. Oh, God. <laughs> so what eggs? Forever! No, your, how, how about your favorite cartoon breakfast food? Okay, don't... No Did offense, you your polls are never that good. <laughs> um, just thinking out loud. What can I tell you? How about your favorite angelic character? Food? I don't understand. <laughs> I don't either. How about the difference between a breakfast meeting? Like a chocula? Is it like gah? (laughs) (laughs) Well, it could have been. I could count chocula or Frankenberry. Frankenberry, sure. They don't even make those anymore, uh, though. So so there's the three there's count chocula, there's Frankenberry, and there's what was the other one? Ghost. Booberry. Yeah, the ghost guy. There's three. You only have three choices. <laughs> no, so, that doesn't count. Chocula, I, I, Doctor Horrible Two, I guess, is ready to film. That was a horrible segue. That was the worst thing. It has been done segue ever. Oh my god! That's that's my that's a good segue sound actually. 
This is why we have Java on the show. I, I defer. <laughs> I defer to the master. Well, if you're if you're one of those people who looks inside their cereal for toys, you may be interested in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles cartoon that was entirely remade with toys. Did you see that? It was awesome. It's really kind of cool, isn't it? <laughs> you know, Stop I, motion always, turtles. I always told my parents that I needed all of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle toys, as well as all of the Ghostbuster toys, and wow. you know, so, uh, all of the Transformers. And and now I have a reason why I needed them. Okay, I just like to say I had them all. <laughs> Java, Java, do you have all the Transformers? No. I don't have any oh. one transformer. I was going to say, I'll be right over. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Exo's going to buy a plane ticket. Hold on. <laughs> because the Transformers are going to beat up the Ninja Turtles, and I oh, think that's yeah, the whole thing. That's not true. It had the Asagi Ojimbo with the constipated look there, so. <laughs> I, think, I think that the, the lesson here is that we need all cartoons remade with toys. Yeah. Oh, I, I like that idea. And even then, they would be better than some of this other stuff that's on television. Oh, well, they have horrible cartoons on right now. Yeah, they're the just ridiculous. They're educational. Yeah, what happened? Ew! Actually, you know what came out today? And I am so sorry, Zombarian. I don't have a link for it because it just popped into my head. Was uh, the Legend of Korra? And crickets. Okay. Okay. Oh, come on! You don't know what that is? Is Avatar? No. The, the cartoon Avatar? Avatar The Last Airbender? Yeah. I know the movie. But the good one, not the movie. You're, the good you're one. talking no, to a Star one. Blazers fan here. I'm not... Uh... <laughs> you're old, Kriana. You kids you know, with your out indoor plumbing and, I mean, I don't know. Well, it's a kid's cartoon, it, but I watched most of it. I think I was in the middle of the, second, or the last season when I stopped watching it. And um, it was a pretty good cartoon. This is the problem I would with like modern to point television. Out that you were also heavily medicated at the time. <laughs> okay. Oh, Fair it, enough. This is the problem with with modern television. That's why people are moving to the internet, and uh, one of the reasons why Joss Whedon says that this summer he'll be working on Doctor Horrible too. Thank you, thank you, Java. I and and despite the fact that I've you know bought Doctor Horrible in HD from iTunes about five times. Uh, <laughs> Haven't we all? It keeps, it keeps it keeps disappearing from my iTunes. I don't know why, but now I can re-download it, so that's fine. Uh, you know, I'm I'm kind of skeptical about this because he's got such such a full plate right now. Um, and and he only said that he was working on it. So well, what he said that, that means? Apparently, I don't know. he's got this. All the all the songs are finished. Really. Yeah, it's just a matter of getting the to, to actually film the actors this summer and getting everyone's schedules to link up. So that's not going to happen. <laughs> so unless, you know, maybe a, a, the cast of a podcast were to stand in for, say, the, the cast of Dr. Horrible. No, I don't, uh, think, I don't think that would be quite as good. Uh, I don't know, man. I don't know. We've got the redheads. <laughs> you know what? I got one word. Photoshop. I've got another one. We'll fix it in post. (laughs) You know what? These are not the hammer. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of Whedon having his plate full, Adventures opens May 4th. Thank you. You're welcome. However, AMC Theaters 
has got this incredible promotion that the theater chain is going to host a movie marathon at 10 different locations across the United States on May 3rd. They are going to show for a $40 ticket, Iron Man, The Incredible Hulk, Iron Man 2, Thor, Captain America, and the Avengers in that order. I am there. That's awesome. If they're not doing Roger Corman's Fantastic Four, I'm out of there. <laughs> that's that's actually a really awesome promotion. Now, now are we talking now. the 70s Captain America? Oh, for Christ's sake, cut? X. Now, Get off Brianna, my freaking lawn. Here's the good news. Here's the good news for you and Sombrarian. Oh, they're doing it here. Yes. One of the ten showing, one of the ten theaters that it's going to be shown at is at the Boston Common Theater, the Boston Common 19. All right. I know where that is. So, as they say, sucks for the rest of America, but there are 10 (laughs) spots where this is going to show. Hey, it usually doesn't happen in Boston. We can get there, but can we park the car? We can park the the car car. under the common. (laughs) (laughs) Under the common. We can park under the common. One could only imagine the trailers they would show at this. Uh, I'm trying, people. Come on. So speaking of trailers, Thank you. <laughs> Corey Doctorow wrote a stirring piece on the Canadian Broadcasting Company's plan to uh, basically dump most of their archive, and, and he he wrote that it was akin to burning down the Alexandrian Library to make room for a trailer park. Wait a minute, oh, and wait, that's where wait, I went yeah, with yeah. trailers. Was- Booyah! <laughs> What was the Canadian government's justification for dumping the mu- their musical archives? They don't have the money for it, and they don't have the money to maintain it, and they they're honey badger. They don't give a shit. Um, basically, they they had a plan to digitize some of the recordings, but as basically Spider Robinson wrote an article about this first, and Corey Doctorow picked it up on Boing Boing. So what Spider said was they they're going to digitize some of it, but the timeline to dispose of stuff is so fast that they cannot possibly digitize even a fraction of it. And this is Bullshit. this is this is just like the BBC dumping. This is worse than the BBC dumping Doctor Who after its broadcast because they didn't even think about it. They were just like, "Oh, why would we want to save this?" This is clearly like, "Okay, we have this huge national archive that people have been donating to, like collectors and stuff, and we're just, you know, we, we don't feel like it. We're." It's absolute bullshit. So there's a petition to preserve the musical archive, which we will have a link to on the show notes. Oh, um, because we need Brian Adams, uh, you know, entire output preserved for posterity. Well, we kind of do. Ilex, come on. This is this is stuff from your day. (laughs) Well, no, that's true. I'm sure there's there's like Rush 2112 outtakes there. Uh, As long as we're talking about Spider Robinson, uh, I want to bring up something else that I've been wanting to bring up for a while. Uh, Most of our listeners remember that Spider has been a a great friend of the show for a year, year and a half, two years now. And that when his wife, Jeannie, was uh, going through her battle with cancer, which she ultimately lost, um, we were all kind of with them in spirit. A couple of weeks, a couple of months ago, Spider announced to the people on his blog and to the people who cared, who he, he 
spoken with that his daughter is now coping with stage four breast cancer. And there is a blog that she's been writing every other day in called The Graceful Woman Warrior. It is an amazing, amazing blog. I'm going to put a link to it. The reason I'm bringing it up at all is because Spider hijacked the blog yesterday <laughs> to talk about uh, the noble task of caring for a loved one with cancer and having been on both sides of the equation. I'm going to post a link to that particular thing. And for everybody who takes a minute to drop over there, read it, drop a, a positive note for Spider and for his daughter and for their granddaughter and I don't know what to say. It's a, sorry. It's difficult for me to talk about, but Terry is just graceful beyond belief in in her blog posts. I mean, I think everyone's heart kind of broke a little when we got that email because Jeannie hasn't even been gone two years, man. This is the second anniversary coming up, and yeah, that's I wouldn't wish that on anyone. And Spider <sighs> is such an such awesome person. Yeah. Um. And and if you've never heard of Spider Robinson, what are you doing listening to this podcast? Go to Barnes and Noble, get on Amazon, go on the iBook store, get his is his are his books even on the iBook store? I don't even yes, know. Yes, they are actually. Okay, good. Um download his books, read them all, come back, finish this podcast. But that's more you know, important. <laughs> you, you know, um one of the things that I I it doesn't seem like it's been that long. Uh, I still have a book sitting on on a table over where I've probably not touched it for a while. And it's a, a copy of Stardance that I got after we had Spider and Jeannie on to have them sign when I got to meet them. Aww. And I probably haven't touched it except to move to my new apartment since. Um I don't know what to do about it, so it's sitting in kind of this limbo right now. Well, for God's sake, honor their memory and read it. Yeah! <laughs> oh, I read it. Oh, okay. Oh, that's okay. good. There's this really incredible quote, and I'm just going to get maudlin for just a couple of seconds here, uh, from the post that Spider hijacked off Terry's blog. Uh at the time Terry's mother was battling cancer, well-meaning friends would always thoughtfully remind me to be sure and remember to take care of myself, too. Unfortunately, none of them ever came up with a concrete suggestion as how exactly I might do that. Not their fault, there just aren't that many good suggestions for how to endure the unendurable. But by accident, I stumbled across one thing that helps more than you might think. Small self-indulgence. I found that it really helped to treat myself in small ways any chance I got. Go a few extra bucks for the haagen for a change. Buy some of the CDs on your own Amazon wish list. Spring for the really good coffee. Get that hardcover book you've been jonesing for instead of waiting for the paperback. Little things like that. You'd be amazed how much silly, silly little things can affect your morale. If you feel powerless, empower yourself. My personal hero, Robert A. Heinlein, taught me that. 
budget the luxuries first. Yeah. Are you yeah. fucking kidding me? Man. No, I, I don't think he Dale is. Dale Cooper. Wow. You know. Every day, treat yourself to a cup of coffee. Spider, if if you're out there, man, hearts and prayers, you know, just same as it always was, same as it always will be. And and Terry, God bless you for making it day by day. There is there is one uh hardcover treat that you won't be able to give to yourself though. Uh oh. Here, 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 here it comes. And here we go. Encyclopedia Britannica <laughs> is done with books. Yes. What were they doing the anyway? Days, the days of the door-to-door encyclopedia salesman are over. Yeah, well, pretty soon. That was that was my retirement goal. I don't know about <laughs> you. Well, actually, um, I haven't looked around at anything librarian-related regarding this yet, but I'm guessing that libraries are actually pretty happy since people are constantly demanding the Encyclopedia Britannica and constantly demanding the most recent edition, and it's super expensive. So now, they'll be able to buy the online version, which will be cheaper. Yay for everyone. Well, it'll possibly be cheaper. You know, it'll, yeah. They're an old company. They probably don't get the internet. They're probably like, what's this internet crap? There's <laughs> <laughs> Can we charge them double for it? And your tubes. <laughs> it's a series of tubes. <laughs> Let me put it this way. Those tubes are full of cats. <laughs> <laughs> They're filled with cats ringed with bread. You know what else is full? <laughs> you know what else the, the, those tubes are full of? Go for Apparent, it. Go for apparently it. Steve Carell. Because Steve Carell <laughs> is doing everything. He's all over the place. He's involved in so many different projects that it is just about unbelievable. And one of the most interesting ones that he's picked up recently has been Magic Kingdom for Sale Sold, which is... Oh, my God, really? Yeah. <laughs> I love that book. I own yeah. that. It's, it's a fantastic book by Terry Brooks. And if you haven't read it, read it. It's hilarious oh, and Terry awesome. Terry Brooks is an, an incredible writer, too. He's just so damn funny. Yeah. And, um, all right, I'll get him on the show. <laughs> do it dude do it and he's a personal uh, fave uh, Akiva Goldsman is producing it and it's a family friendly blockbuster um <laughs> yeah, the it, basic, series is great yeah and, yeah, and you know here's here's the really great thing the writer on it is Craig Wright who wrote for Six Feet Under, Under and Dirty Sexy Money oh um, yes oh, so it's nice. actually going to be funny it sounds like it's going to be funny, and Carell can do a good job. I've just I haven't been very impressed with him recently. What's he um, done recently? Refresh my memory. Well, he had to do all that stuff to pay the rent, like where he play. He was talking to God and stuff like that. Oh, um, Steve Carell. Well, at least he's not doing Get Smart Two, Get Smarter. Well, the last yeah. thing I remember him doing was a forty-year-old virgin, and that was really funny. Right, and there was, was like six years ago. Shut up! I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, he's been doing pretty horrible movies. He's not doing The Office anymore, but he yeah. has he he is doing um, a couple of films. Um, he's already filmed Seeking a Friend for the End of the World and Great Hope Springs, and he's right now filming in The Incredible Burt Wonderstone and doing a voice in Despicably 
Despicable Me 2. Squee. And his his next project is Frank or Francis, which is by Charlie Kaufman. Uh, so I mean, oh. he's got he's got some other things, and he's been Wait attached a to. About- Wait a minute, Frank or Francis? This isn't going to be like that Adam Sandler movie that just came out. Jack oh God, Jill, I hope say. not. Okay. No. God, I hope <laughs> no. Not. Hey, Summer, um, I have a question for you, dear. What? Okay, if there are alien invaders, yes. How do we save ourselves from them? Do you have some right now? No. <laughs> No, I don't, but in Area 51, you never know. So, All right. Well, the official position of the CDC, that's the Centers for Disease Control, yes. their official position is that you should distract them with a Lady Gaga video while you <laughs> dial 911. Um, no this, shit. <laughs> well, this advice... Come, uh, the CDC took several uh, famous uh, movies that involve things like zombie apocalypse, apocalypses, something like that, um, alien invasions, and they wrote out um, an action plan that they feel okay. should have been followed. Okay. They wrote out action plans for a bunch. Because the CDC has nothing better to do. Apparently. Well, I was <laughs> that our topics list has is like a map of chaos every week <laughs> zombarian i have another i have another question for you oh my do you just want to take a minute and yell hunger games i i kind of do but we don't actually have anything to link to this week what what about that one clip of that kid with the blonde hair Wow. Oh, yeah. I, I was just going to let you be I, like, Hunger Games! Okay. I, I'm, no, I'm too oh, happy I actually to even read... do that. I'm, I'm so excited. You guys have no idea. This week's Hippo Press described the Hunger Games as Twilight meets The Running Man, and the reviewer didn't want to see either of those. Ooh. Okay, this week's Hippo Press is a fucking moron, so... Yeah, like... <laughs> And, and also, it's the Hippo Press, Brian. I'm just saying, I read that, and I just—it uh, just made me smile. You know, I think you know, I've noticed this trend in a lot of journalism writing about the Hunger Games. It's blah 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 meets blah blah blah. It's, it's battle royale for people who hate subtitles. I read that somewhere. Um, royale. Fuck you! Royale. Seriously. Seriously. I like that, Royale. I'm just saying. I like no, no, no. Not fuck you, Tracy. Fuck all of them. Fuck them for saying that because, like, that's such a freaking journalistic cop out. And it's so lazy. And it's it's an entirely simplistic view of a movie that. Well, it's based on a book series that I happen to really love, and I happen to find fairly sophisticated in its themes and content. Also, how old is Katniss supposed to be? She's, uh, I think, 15 or 16. 15 or 16? Damn it. They say exactly... How old is the actress? She's actually not that much older. I think she's 19. Okay, she's hot. (laughs) Thank you for being politically correct in that. (laughs) They didn't get What's-Her-Face from Hello, Dolly, though. Carol Channing? No. Yeah. Oh, jeez. Ah, Georgia, pull that out of <laughs> No, I, I think... In the Hunger Games. She's the 
played a teenager longer than Dick Clark. I figured she'd be in on this. I think the casting for the Hunger Games was quite well done. I well, think their visual uh, designer was excellent, and I am looking forward to see what they do with it. I'm, I'm telling you, every everything. By looking seen... forward to, she means I'm making her go with me, and she's finding reasons not to hate her life. <laughs> As I've been reminded so often this week, first world problem. <laughs> oh. Speaking of first world problems, Walking oh. uh, Dead uh. you know, has them. Up. Has them? No, I got to tell you, uh, this season of The Walking Dead has been so incredibly inconsistent, especially the first half of the season before the break. When they came back for the second half, they really had something to prove. Uh, and with one episode left to go, they're doing a good job. I don't know. Kriana was able to guess the spoiler without knowing what it was. And we won't say it here on the show just because it's actually a pretty big spoiler. But she threw it out there as an example of what a spoiler could be this evening, and it was the right one. I mean, I was just waiting. I I think we lost Illustrator X of the Dead Redhead. I think we did. Oh, good. No, we oh. What did you do? <laughs> what did he touch? I, I am a mysterious god. I must cloud I my touch. divinity from you. <laughs> I said, I said, of all the spoilers, those of us who um, who watched the show and read the comics were kind of like, when was that spoiler going to happen? No, you said, what you clearly said was, go and type the fact that we're coming up on the half. And so I muted the mic because I didn't want to make clicking noises. And now we, the whole show has exploded. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I just want to remind our guest, it, Tom, have you run away yet? No, I'm still here. I'm oh, sorry. I, so what you're saying is the dog has fallen asleep on your lap. Well, No, I've actually banished him from my office because he'd just be terrorizing me the whole time I was in here. So he's, he's, standing out, he's standing outside my office door peering in through the window. Oh my god, my cat is doing almost the same thing, except for he's attempting to dig underneath the door. Well, since my dog's a squirrel, he's probably communicating with your cat. Probably. <laughs> They're psychically connected. Somehow. I got a pledge a while back that technology was going to be my bitch because I, the, other cast not, the other cast members have liked to tease me about the fact that I still own an Atari 2600 and, you know, they assume I have a butter churn out back. We don't tease you for owning the Atari we tease you for not knowing what double click meant at one point. <laughs> Very recently. You mean last week? Never mind. Yeah, that oh, one. Stop! <laughs> yeah, but we're not teasing you for owning an Atari. There are plenty of other reasons to tease you. <laughs> I was going to say, owning us the Atari is not a reason to tease you, in fact. X, you're, you're actually breaking up, you guys. Yeah, if you want to just reach over and soothe my ego, that'd be I great. I think you're fine, next. <laughs> okay. Well, before we get into the halftime and the guest, I at least wanted to throw out the fact that uh, at the Boston Comic Con, I don't know if anyone's noticed the, the revised guest list. No. No, but go on. No, we are getting a, some 
an opportunity to buy some Golden Age artwork. Lee Falk, the creator of The Phantom and Mandrake the Magician, his widow is going to be at Boston Comic Con. This is the only show this year that, from what I understand, where she is selling her husband's original art. Wow. I may be selling blood. <laughs> Holy crap. I cannot believe... <laughs> oh, I didn't say I was going to be selling my blood. Come on. Oh, Barnabas. Barnabas <laughs> the undead kitty. But no, as a fan of Golden Age comics and comic strips, and uh, I, I cannot believe that I'm... Man, I, I am drooling at the thought of being in the same room with some of that artwork. Well, as long as you're not drooling on the artwork, I think you're okay. There we I go. think so. <laughs> <laughs> And on that note... That's, that's a hell of a segue uh, to bring us to our guest tonight, who is a featured guest of Boston Comic Con as well, Tom Snogoski. Hey, Tom, how are you? Good, how you doing? Well, you tell us. <laughs> how are we doing? It's, it, 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 you know, it's, it's like sitting in a room with my buddies. So, it's, <laughs> you know, that's, that's pretty much the same conversations going on. And <laughs> Actually, that's kind of what we're going for, so it's kind of a huge compliment. I got to say, you know, when um, I was reviewing your your website, it's like, you know, he's collaborated with Chris Gold. No, well, Chris has been on the show. Oh, Steve Bissett's been on the show. Oh, Amber Benson. Wow. <laughs> How did we God, not have you on before? <laughs> well, I think, you know, it's funny because I think Chris had mentioned that he'd done the show and he said, I think they're going to be calling you. And that was a while ago. So I figured they... Somebody did look at my website and decided not to call. I don't <laughs> I don't remember him ever mentioning you, but do you do you want to know how we actually did decide to call? How? Um goodreads.com. For some reason, you showed up in like my recommendations for literally months. Oh, really? Book after book after book and oh, I probably. finally was like, "Oh my god, I have to pick this up. Fine. I'm picking it up." I started reading it. <laughs> And I, I didn't even realize that you were in any way connected to anyone that we knew. Oh. And, and I mentioned you to Illustrator X, and he was like, oh, Hellboy. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I thought I saw Mignola on the, like, thank you page. I just didn't. And then I went back and read it more completely, and then I saw Chris Golden. <laughs> I felt yeah. a little... And I mean, Chris, Chris has been hanging around with us for a way long time. A really, well, since before we were actually a podcast, when we were on the actual oh, cool. radio, radio. Wow. For all you old timers, Illustrator X. <laughs> <laughs> but, oh but no, Tom, I mean, I've, you know, I've been reading your stuff for years in comics and uh, I've seen you at a at the shows i've been wanting to have you on for a long time so this i am very excited to have you on tonight well, and you. uh you know you know i gotta i gotta ask i've been wanting to okay. ask this for a while how did you get the jeff smith kick <laughs> how did i get it yeah because so, well, I, I remember like some he's letting someone else write bone he's letting someone else spin off and i'm like oh right. of course it's talking this is actually a pretty good story. Um, when I first met Jeff, it was, oh, good Lord, I couldn't even tell you how long ago, but I had met him when I was doing Vampirella for, for Harris Comics. A and um, we'd go to lunch and, you know, shoot the shit, and he was just a super nice guy. And at that time, I had never read Bone. 
So I'd seen him a bunch of times, and we'd gone to lunch a bunch of times, and we'd had some laughs a bunch of times. And finally I said, oh, geez, you know what? I really probably should read this just just to just to you know be a decent human being you know i've heard this thing is pretty good i'll read a couple of issues just so i know you know what he's all about well i read like the first i think it was the first black and white collection and that afternoon i was i was out buying all the collections that were out at that time and we just we just struck up a really strong friendship um and i don't even know what year it was i did I did a little backup story that ran in like I yeah. think around you know, like Niblet. maybe like yeah, the Riblet story with Stan Sakai. Um and that ran for and, I don't know, I think oh five God, or six what, a... what was that, like five or six issues? Was that in the back? Or something it was like, like that. It was, it was like, like a three part story. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was like really small. And that I think was the beginning of our relationship. You know, in terms of he liked my take with the you know with the rat creatures and stuff like that, and then out of the blue, I mean, a couple good couple of years later, out of the blue, I get a call from his wife Vijaya, who says, "Hey Tom, would you have any interest in writing the prequel to Bone?" And I, and so I so wow. after, after I cleaned out my pants, I said, <laughs> I, I said, I, I was like. Well, let me think about that. So, you know, as a joke, and of course. And, and I, I talked to Jeff, and he just felt that my sense of humor would be very appropriate for the uh, Big Johnson Bone story that he was thinking of, which is pretty much a big, t- a tall tale. Best you know, like Pecos. name ever. That, yeah, oh, I know. And every time he would talk about it, I'd just start laughing. And honest to God, I don't think he made the connection. Uh, he was kind of look- yeah, I, I, I would say, Bone. Jeff, come on. Big big Johnson Bone. Jeff. And I'd be moving my eyebrows up and down. <laughs> Jeff, Big Johnson Bone. Do you get it? And he would look at me. He would, he would look at me kind of funny, and then he would say, but that's not what I, why I named him that. And I'm like, really? Do you seriously think anybody's going to believe that? <laughs> That's so, awesome. But yeah, I say, I mean, so, to, to, supposedly totally innocent in the uh, the naming of the character. So <laughs> after I did after I did that, we had threatened to work together again to do some more uh, Big Johnson Bone stories for like a, a bigger collection. Of uh, you know to take the um, what was originally uh, stupid stupid rat tails and collect it in a much bigger collection, but that was right before Scholastic started to do the color editions of right. Bone, and it really took off all over again when it when it went to Scholastic. So Scholastic suddenly became involved when they had finished collecting all the original Bone stories and were doing the prequels, like the, the uh, Rose prequel that Charles Vest did. And so suddenly it became a much more interesting thing to do more Big Johnson Bone stories so they could put it in a nice uh, collection, and they called it Bone Tall Tales. Right. So I wrote two more uh, Big Johnson Bone stories, and then my... Devious mind started working, and I remember trying to tell him. I was like, Jeff, you know, once these things are collected and once it's done, it's done. There is no more bone. 
So what are your plans? Well, no, it's done. I, I don't know. So I started to try to plant the seed in his, in, in his mind of using the Bone universe as kind of like a springboard to do more adventures that took place in the valley. And he really, he, he really fought me. I mean, he really, no, nah, I, I really don't want to, uh, I'm not listening to you, Philip, la, 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 la. You know, he, he, really, he really did not want to, to talk about it. So I talked to his wife in San Diego. <laughs> That's there who you, you talk to. That's if you right. want to get something, and I just said, hear me out. I'm sure Jeff has told you I'm a pain in the ass and you shouldn't be talking to me, but I just want to say, here's my pitch. Here's something that I've been trying to get through his skull. And I ran it by her, and you could just see light dawns on Marble Head. It was kind of like, <laughs> oh, wait a minute. That means that Bone won't be over. And I'm like, exactly. And Jeff's work, Jeff would have to do a minimal amount of work because it would be novels. He'd have to, you know, I would imagine he would want to do illustrations and things like that. But that's what I think we should do. And she had a meeting with Scholastic at that San Diego. And within, I'd say within a month and a half to two months, I had contracts to write the first trilogy. Oh, my nice. God. Nice. Of original Bone novels, yeah. Yeah, and, and, the, and the wild thing is, is I mean, I, 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 there was a lot writing, and it was almost all on my shoulders. Because, you know, Tom's the one who said this would work. You know, so... <laughs> so if this, but that's, if this, that's your gift, if this, though. You, you're really good at exploring worlds. You know, you're just as good at doing that. You go into the Buffyverse, the Hellboy universe. I mean, you create your own worlds. Um, it's like Neil Gaiman once described Sandman as a tip of an iceberg. And I think that's why there's so many different spinoffs from his world. Right, there, you're right. Yeah, you're really good at just finding... How do you... You're, you're given a universe. Right. Mignola comes up and says, here, here's Hellboy. Have fun with the BPRD. <laughs> where do you where do you look for like all right what hasn't been told? I think it's the I, I think the probably the best if I had to say one positive thing about myself <laughs> is that I have I think I had the ability to look at this material and find the things that really amused the living hell out of me. <laughs> you know, little corners, little flipping over little rocks and finding this stuff that nobody else has really poked at. Okay. And, use, and using, like if I, if I can use some of the characters within the universe, uh, using characters that people had, would never have imagined that they would ever see again. Like, I mean, I, like in the, um, in the Bone novels, I just delivered the third book, Rockjar is a, is a major character in the story. Nice. Yeah, and he was a blast to write. I mean, uh, you know, a giant mountain lion that has a really bad attitude was a hoot. I mean, it was an absolute <laughs> hoot. It was, it, was, it was a riot, to, you know, especially having him bouncing off the other characters. You know, the, some of the, there's, there's some new bone characters, the rat creatures, two, those two rat creatures are in there. It was just great. It was just a lot of fun. So I think that's probably, if I had to say I had a strength, I think it's that I can kind of find the little corners and unlit portions of other people's universes that mm -hmm. have been kind of ignored almost. Nice. And, and can kind of apply my odd sensibility to it. 
so Tom, the one thing that I've really noticed about what your the the breadth of your work is that you you do comics, you do serious uh, books, you're doing young adult novels, you're doing mm -hmm. short stories, and uh, you. <sighs> I mean, you've done some of the coolest comics around. I mean, you've written Batman, Punisher, Wolverine, Devil Dinosaur, one of my favorites. <laughs> yeah, that, that, was a, that was an absolute... Working with Eric Powell was one of the best things that I've ever done in comics. Cool. And, and, and at the same time, you know, you've got the whole Fallen series. Yeah. Uh, and, and now you've got a short story that ends up in uh, 21st Century Dead. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, how do you how do you choose where you're going next? I think I mean, when is your mortgage due? Is one of the things <laughs> that, that uh, I mean, it, yeah. Oh, the, the the ultimate motivator is a bill hanging in front of your face. Um, I think. Uh, like I mean, right now things have been going really, really well with you know with a lot of the stuff that I've been working on. So I can kind of not worry as much about about that stuff. So I, I think whatever whatever thrills me at the moment, what what puts that little charge through me, you know, when I think about possibly sitting down and devoting the next three or four months to a book, what what's getting me the most excited? What you know, what do I, what do I think people will really dig? You know, it's that, it's that, that that's a huge motivation is, you know, I think about, uh, you know, my buddies or all people at medic conventions or even like you guys and stuff like that. I'm like, what would they, you know, what would they think of this? This is fucking nuts. You know, they're going <laughs> to love this. This is crazy. It's like the, like the, when I did the Lobster Johnson novel for, for, uh, for Mignola, I mean, yeah. that was just pure insanity. And the entire time I was writing it, I was like, oh, gee, Mike is going to shit when he reads this. I and love that, all the Foster the, Johnson stuff. I just love it. But, Tom, the, the, cool thing, the cool thing about this whole thing is that X and the Dead Redhead have their favorite stuff of your work. Kriana, I know, has her favorite. I, I've only <laughs> been harping on it all week. And, <laughs> And my favorite has, is none of any of their stuff. My favorite is a book that you wrote in 09 called Legacy. Oh, wow. Oh, thank you. Well, that, that, yeah, that's great. I mean, it's, Which is a fucking kick-ass book. Oh, yeah, it's a kick-ass book that the publisher basically completely dropped the ball on the marketing and stuff. Like, well, that's horribly why and publishers just kinda... suck. Oh yeah, it just, they just it just it just disappeared. I mean, I mean they just... for those of you who, who can't find it, because it's difficult as hell to find. And when I realized we're going to be on the show, uh, and I realized that I still had a copy of it, uh, and I was I was just thrilled to death because this is one fucking amazing book, and wow, it's thank just you. hardcore sci-fi superhero, cool shit, and it's so. <laughs> Tom, do you think you can use these quotes on the next bone book? <laughs> <laughs> what we'll do is we'll leave out the, 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 the expletives and put, like, crazy drawings of people hitting each other with bricks and stuff. What? <laughs> <laughs> 
So what happened with that book, man? Because I mean that well, they that just been a whole franchise there. Yeah, I mean they did. They basically, you know, first of all, you know, they they, they you know they told me they wanted it and they were going to put all this money into marketing and the whole nine yards. And I deliver the book, and I'm all excited, and I think that they're all excited. And then they give me the dust jacket on the on the hardcover, and it is and it is so wrong for the material. And I'm trying to tell them, I'm like, this isn't right. I said, this is a guy punching people in the head book, you know, with lots of violence and explosions. This cover is making it seem like it's, you know some artsy fartsy book it's 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 you're not you're not talking to the audience that will want this book and they totally just blew me off they would just no you know we know what we're, basically it's yeah 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 tom we know what we're doing why don't you just go in your office and write one of your little books writers don't we're, know anything about marketing yeah, or they, yeah. they can't know their audience at all right right you will take care of this and they released it with that cover, and it sank. Not a, not a, you know, it just, not a peep. Not a peep. And they just dropped the book like a hot potato. They didn't bother doing any promotion for it. When they didn't get the initial numbers that they were looking for when they were presenting it to the buyers at Barnes & Noble and at the Time Borders and stuff like that, they just kind of said, oh, well, no one must want to read this, and just dropped oh. it. Yeah. I mean, they've since put out a paperback, which has a little more of a superhero-y cover. The paperback's got a really cool cover. It's really yeah, nice. Yeah, it's, and I think that's the cover that they, something like that that they should have had on it originally. Um, but I, I still think that they really didn't give it much of a push. I think, I think their attitude this time was, well, it's got that cover that the, the writer thought was, it would be appropriate for it, and it still didn't sell. Well... If somebody doesn't know it's out there, how's it going to sell? You know. That's so. right. For everybody who who hasn't seen a bit, seen it or heard of it, can you just kind of briefly describe for our listeners what the book is about? Because it's such a cool story. Well, basically, it's about kind of a underachiever that real that never knew who his father was, never knew his dad, and it's basically what if you found out your dad was Batman, and and was dying of cancer and wanted you to carry on the family name. That's pretty much the, in a nutshell. It's like, you know, the, 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 this world's equivalent of a Batman-esque. It's kind of like Batman meets Iron Man. He, he's, he's called the Raptor. And he's, you know, he wants, he wants his son to carry on the tradition of being, of being the Raptor. And this, it is some stuff I don't want to get into, but... He's not as he's not as nice a guy as you as as you think he is, or you might think. He is. <laughs> oh my god! All right, I just looked up this cover on Amazon, and you can actually see both of the covers really clearly on Amazon. That is a stupid cover, anyway. Isn't like, that awful? Like, it's not even a good cover for. I, maybe if it was like uh, some sort of comic book documentary or something, like maybe. Even, even that, even even that, it misses the. I know it doesn't completely. really make sense for anything. It's like it's like oh my god, we paid this person so much to like design this cover, and now we have to use it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I I pitched oh, a fit, but they. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I pitched a fit, and they just kind of said, yeah, 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 we know what we're doing. You're just the writer. All right. <laughs> so there will be an Amazon link to the good cover of Legacy <laughs> on, our, on our page. 
No, but uh, holy crap! Seriously, guys, you know it's a great read. It's it's a really good story, and it's uh, it's my favorite of of everything because basically I'm the lit guy, and that's how, that's how I know you. Um, sure. Yeah, right. I would like to take exception to that. <laughs> Thank you, Zombrarian. You may. Tom, uh, well, you are one of the featured guests at the Boston Comic Con next month. Are you bringing any rarities or anything, um, anything like, uh, like a, a convention exclusive or anything like that? You know what? I would love to, but my schedule has been so insane that I didn't have an, a, a, any opportunity to even think of one. <laughs> so maybe you know the exclusive will just be me being rational, probably. You know, <laughs> <laughs> me being able to sit and actually talk to somebody and not slur my words and things. What fun is oh, that? Well, that's the <laughs> I know that's true. <laughs> Sci-Fi Saturday Night patented flasks on sale. <laughs> uh, I was gonna, yeah, I was gonna say maybe maybe a little scotchy scotch <laughs> <laughs> makes everything more interesting. Exactly, it makes everything better. God. Now, do you ever find like um? That there's a difference between your fans of your novels versus the fans of your comics. I've heard this Actually, like there's like an actual like almost like a line that you can draw. Yeah, yeah, there is. There, 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 there really is. And, and, it's, and, what, and what's interesting about it, I think if the if the two sides met, they would really like each other. <laughs> you know, it's, it's you know they're 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 very similar, but it's almost as if you've got one half that just says. I just read your comic stuff, or I just read comics, and there's the other people who are more, you know, literary, so to speak. You know, they're the ones that, that you know, hunt down all, you know, the various books and, you know, uh, uh, you know, some of my YA stuff, all my adult stuff, or vice versa. But it's very few of the, my book readers even know I'm a com- know I do comics. I didn't until X told me. Well, I mean, not like my comic book output has been that huge lately. I mean, I've been primarily a book guy other than the Bone stuff, you know, the the, the new Big Johnson Bone stories I did a couple of years ago. So I haven't really done a ton of comic stuff lately. Okay, but I'm looking through your list here, and and I'm finding that I actually have a bunch of them. <laughs> uh, I'm you looking specifically at uh-huh. Angel six through thirteen with Christopher Golden. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. Um, yeah, Chris and I read, wrote Angel for Buffy Giles. I definitely have that. Buffy yeah, twenty nine and thirty. I'm pretty <laughs> sure I have those. Um, <laughs> I may have that issue of BPRD somewhere. Um, yeah. Well, you know, you probably saw the name and said, "Oh, that guy probably stinks." No. Ouch. <laughs> I saw Angel and said, ooh, I want to read this. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, my, fir- my first novel was an, a- was an Angel novel. Oh, wow. For, uh, for when-, when Simon & Schuster was do- were doing the-, the-, the Angel novels, I did uh, 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 The Soul Trade. Don't, was, I was think my- that's at your house I somewhere. I-, I think, yeah, I know. Yeah, I think we have I- that one. I know we have yeah, that. Yeah, that's... That's actually my first. That's my my first novel. My first uh, fiction wow. novel. Oh, Doyle! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I have to 
take a vote. Love Doyle. Like, I just Honestly, love Doyle. Anyone who loves Boston as much as Tom does kind of has to love Doyle. Because you can't yeah. live in Boston without meeting him three or four times a day. <laughs> okay, you know what I find really fun about the Remy Chandler books is that <laughs> I live right off Route 1. A lot yeah. of stuff in your books happen right around where I live. Oh, yeah. Well, I grew up in Lynn. Okay, so I'm right down the street from Lynn. Yeah, I have I grew, to ask, I... did you actually, like, drive or walk everything that he does in those novels? You know what? Pretty much. Pretty much. Because I, I, I lived in Lynn, and then when I, when I was uh, working at Northeastern University, I lived on Beacon Hill. So, mm-hmm. we, we, so where Remy you lives... You I was a financial aid director there for a few years, yeah. Oh my god, we might have met at one point. <laughs> <laughs> You're like the hidden gem of sci-fi authors like everyone knows you they just don't know that they do yeah i know that's kind of you know there's part of me that thinks it's cool and the other part that finds it kind of sad (laughs) well that's why you're here though it's so that we can get the word out about how cool you are i was just gonna say when this this episode airs on saturday you know lines you've you've seen hard day's night right you've seen the (laughs) right mobs yes yeah, okay. It's going to be Shea Stadium all over but, again. Yeah. But, it, but it will be in color. <laughs> <laughs> They'll be peering in my windows. <laughs> We're going to have to add Tom to our guest book of awesomeness and include him in our guest tour of Boston Comic Con. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. We're we're doing a new oh, yeah. thing, Tom. We we have a, a book of guests that and we have QR codes to their website in our books so that if anyone would like to see more information about any of our guests, they could do that directly from our book. Um, and they can also X go to QR codes are those boxy things that you can use your cell phone to <laughs> navigate to websites. Except for X from. can't because he doesn't have yeah. a smartphone. He's got a silly phone, but that's okay. Yeah, um, it, it's robot barf basically. But a, a cell phone is a th- is a phone, but it doesn't have a wire. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we're doing this new thing at Boston Comic Con. We're going to circle out all of the guests that we've had who have are at the show. And then if someone comes up to our table and says, hey, we want to go visit Tom. Can, can you bring me there? We'll be like, we cool. We will you there. And personally, maybe introduce you if there's not a line. Wow. Probably. It's like Star Maps. Yeah. But drunk. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They'll, they'll, they'll say, I hear Tom has a scroll for a pet. Uh, yeah, exactly. Goddamn scrolls! <laughs> wait, wait. We, we you, can drink at Boston this year? No, we cannot, Java. Oh, Officially, we cannot. It. However, if you show up with a, quote, water bottle. <laughs> That's true. That's true. I mean, have you never been to college? What did you do there? <laughs> like... <laughs> We're getting in more and more trouble like, as we go along. Bob Shaw is like, I'm never going on that show again. <laughs> hey, hey, kids, the dates are April 21st and 22nd. It's Boston Comic Con. Featured guest Tom Snagoski will be there. We will happily escort you to his table. Tom, thank you so much for joining us tonight. It's hey, been thank you. on again. It'd be awesome. Tom, stick around after this, please. Oh. Does that sound what I think it is? Yes. It is indeed. 
it is the coming up calendar. Well, ladies and gentlemen, next week, Tracy Hickman returns with his latest novel, Blackshore, and the release of his Batman story, Wayne of Gotham. Then on March 31st, the hills have eyes for actress Laura Ortiz as she previews her upcoming FearNet original series, Holliston. Then on April 7th, a wicked unscripted interview with wicked little studio artist Julie Myers. Sci-Fi Saturday Night is the official podcast of the Boston Comic-Con. Come meet the Sci-Fi Saturday Night crew at the Boston Comic-Con this April 21st and 22nd. Tickets available at bostoncomiccon.com. Tonight's outro music provided by the Traffic Lights. Pick up their CD, Hold the Folk, at robwattsonline.com. No. I want to thank our guest, Tom Vinsnikowski. Uh, gosh, it's been a wonderful half hour time. I definitely want you back again. From the Revere Time Vortex, the sweetheart of the soundboard, Triana, and Grammar Girls on Perian. Thank you, ladies. Good night. Have a good one. From the Fort Girl of All the Comics, Illustrator X and the Dead Redhead. Big Johnson Bone. <laughs> Oi. Okay, I can't even say anything after that. gaming editor, awake by Java. I'm wearing two Snuggies. And the area 51, this is Dome saying, Genie, shared pain is lessened, shared joy is increased. Thus do we all refute entropy. Good night, everybody. Thank you.